Greetings, everyone. This is podcast number 51. It is July 30th, 2023. I apologize for the length of my blogs and podcasts. It's uh, been an interesting and fun summer and has not always been uh, conducive to getting my blogs and podcasts out in a timely manner. But this is the last one, part three. I am Paula Bach, author of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child. I was fired from teaching in 2017 after 46 years as an educator in the public school system. I am now actually grateful for the act of that firing since it has ignited my passion to fight for our educational system and those who work with our children. As always, please hit those subscribe and share buttons at any time and do leave a comment. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Please read or listen to parts one and two of America's 21st century alphabet of axioms. In this podcast, I will draw correlations between each of the axioms. And today we're finishing up with axioms R through Z. It would be way too easy to highlight the negativity of today's educational system. So please pay close attention to the solutions. And I don't pretend to have the answers and the solutions are short. Of course, there are more. Teachers don't quit their jobs because of the kids. They do quit teaching because adults make their job harder than it should be. And that is the poster on today's podcast. What a stupid time to be alive. Please take time to read the previous blog and or listen to the previous podcast. And right here on this podcast, they are hyperlinked in order to understand the intent of this one. Part one blog can be found here. Again, it is hyperlinked. And part two blog can also be found here. Today's challenge, we as a nation are choosing not to end the chaos in our schools, streets, cities, and states. What are my American alphabet of axioms? I'll go over them quickly just as a review. Abortion, borders, Christians, debt, education, fentanyl, girls, <clears throat> homelessness, Iran, judicial system, knowledge, lies, marijuana, national anthem, opioids, phobic, quid pro quo, racism, socialism, teachers, Ukraine, violence, woman, xenophobic, youth, Zelensky. So let's dive into the remainder of my perceived axioms, how they affect our educational system, along with viable solutions. Racism. Yes, it exists in our culture, our government, and sadly to say, in our schools. I've experienced it firsthand. During the 80s and 90s, I ran a performing arts camp for kids for 10 summers. My partner in this venture uh, is an African-American man who instilled passion and genuine love into his teaching. He passed away in 2018, and I was honored to speak at his funeral. His name? Charles Bowling. He was a fixture in the education of thousands of students in Lincoln, Nebraska. Every summer, we would end the camps with a bus ride south to Kansas City and perform at Worlds of Fun. Afterwards, Charles and I would find an air-conditioned restaurant to enjoy a lunch while our students rode all the rides possible in two hours. During those well-deserved lunches, Charles and I were waiting in the buffet line. 
a crass-voiced woman cut in front of Charles, pointed at him, and told him to get more chicken from the kitchen. Thinking he was a server, I would remind the listeners, Charles is an African-American man. She did not go to any of the white men who were standing in the line. Charles laughed at the lady's impertinent command, but I was standing in shock that someone would consider Charles a server only because of the color of his skin. It didn't stop there. When Charles and I would walk together before or after concerts, the contorted, sometimes hateful facial expressions of white people were not lost on me. And I would remind the listeners I am white. But in all transparency, black people looked at Charles in the same disgust. Granted, it was decades ago. But I have seen the same repulsion from both cultures in present day. Solution. We are a divided nation, teaching black children they are oppressed and are victims of a racist country only divides us more. And especially when we're addressing the color of their skin and not the merits of their character, as so well stated by Martin Luther King. And when we address these children as being oppressed, we deny the success of Barack and Michelle Obama. Louis Armstrong, Cicely Tyson, and Oprah Winfrey, and thousands more. Instructing white children that they are responsible for slavery and the scourge of racism denies the attribute of Anne McCarty Braden, John Brown, and thousands more of white activists. A year ago, I proposed the Golden Rule Project. Again, it is hyperlinked in this podcast. This could be implemented in the schools, and here is the mission statement, and I quote, Applying the principle of the golden rule, students, parents, teachers, and administrators will better demonstrate treating each other as they wish to be treated. Recognizing each student's story and fostering an atmosphere void of prejudice is paramount to success-based outcomes. This will be accomplished through a 30-minute student-teacher meeting at least one time per week, with a regularly assigned teacher. This instructor will provide mentoring, appropriate social interaction, and guided discussions regarding possible mental health issues. And again, I published this in April, on April 27th in 2022. Socialism is not what the majority of Americans wish for this country. In fact, it is only 36%. The redistribution of wealth powerful government, higher taxes, and government regulations is contrary to the ideas of our republic. Unfortunately, civic and U.S. government classes are either no longer taught or they are taught through an anti-American lens. How does this affect education? The very idea of public schooling is directly correlated to socialism, according to Jacob Hornberger, who writes for the Future of Freedom Foundation. And I quote, Under public schooling, the government owns, operates, controls, and dictates the provision of education and society. In a purely socialistic system like North Korea, this means that every child in the nation is required to receive his education in a government facility. Well, I would challenge the listener, how is that different than our country? Solution. Private and home schools have grown exponentially. 
Whereas the pandemic generated more interest in both, the rise of private and homeschooling continues. Most Americans do not want the public schools sexualizing their children, critical race theory, or the cancellation of parental rights. The main issue facing private schooling, of course, is cost, while time and resources are challenging for the homeschools. But with a school voucher system, this could be remedied. Teachers' unions have been cast in a poor light with the shutdowns of the pandemic to the controversial teachings of gender and race. In all transparency, I support teachers' unions, and here is why. Teaching in both Nebraska and Colorado, I found myself more than a few times with unsupportive administrators and, of course, complaining parents. I would remind the listener, I'm a performing arts teacher and every parent believes that their child can sing, dance, and act better than anybody else's child. One time, my life was actually threatened in a phone call to my principal. Several times, my job was in jeopardy and then there were always a barrage of unsupported parental complaints, which made teaching almost impossible. Every time I turned to my union, every time my union listened, gave me great advice, and was ready to do battle if there was a final scenario. Where have today's unions gone wrong? Many became political financially obligated to left-leaning ideologies and crossed over the arbiter line into the activist lane. The politicalization of teachers' unions began actually in the 1980s. Today's unions give 90% or more of all PAC contributions to education advocacy groups. And by the way, I'm quoting from Michael Hartney from Education Next. 90% or more of all PAC contributions to education advocacy groups. Teachers and their unions are also very successful in school board elections. Nearly a quarter of all school board members are current teachers or former educators. Because teachers unions are almost always more politically powerful than their opponents, Elected officials have strong incentives to pay attention to union demands. And again, this is from Michael Hartney, Education Next. Solution. Again, in transparency, my union was actually an association in both Nebraska and Colorado. It did not have the power to dictate subject matter or close schools. And I'm thankful for that. Union representatives were helpful in negotiating issues between teachers, parents, and administration. Teachers' unions should not have the power in shutting down schools, forcing curriculum on gender fluidity or critical race theory, or canceling parents from inquiring about their child's classroom environment. My guess is that's going to have to take some legislation. Ukraine appears to be a war America once again has committed resources and financial aid without much accountability. Could this be another Vietnam, Iraq, or Afghanistan? Afghanistan? And I've lived through all three of those, including the Vietnam War. Will our generals, Congress, and president fight this war on a scale of winning it quickly or prolong it as has happened in so many times before? No one seems to be answering those questions. Meanwhile, our homeless, 
border crossings and crime rise unabated, not to mention that our educational system is broken. Solution. Can our country ever learn from its past experiences? Prolonged wars with no real set course for ending those wars is causing great financial woes to America. What if we put the effort into those things broken in our own country instead of a war which appears to be unwinnable? Our leaders need to have a reality check as to what can be accomplished in Ukraine. Our generals must be held accountable for past and present decisions. Violent crime. This not only affects our children directly, but it's killing them off. Homicide is the leading cause of death in kids, and rates are rising, according to Jen Christensen of CNN. And I quote, The overall homicide rate had an especially precipitous rise from 2019 to 2020. And I would mind, remind the listeners, 2020, we were actually in a lockdown, with rates increasing across several demographics, the study says. In that time period alone, the number of children who were killed in a homicide rose almost 28%. Solution. Please take time to read Safe from the Start. Again, that Safe from the Start is hyperlinked on this podcast. On June 22, 1999, Attorney General Janet Reno and Secretary of Health and Human Services Donna Shalala, with the leadership of Deputy Attorney General Eric Holder, brought together 150 practitioners and policymakers in a national summit on preventing and reducing the negative impact of children's exposure to violence. This blueprint for federal, state, and local action is the product of their commitment energy, and expertise. Please do read it. What is a woman? This seems to be the question resonating from the U.S. Supreme Court to kindergarten classes. What a stupid time to be alive when our government tells us discerning who is a woman and who is a man is not based on biology. Solution. I used to tell my gay students when they felt safe to come out to me, I represent a time where people are defined by who they are and not who they slept with. That is why I would best describe myself as a Christian independent, one who is in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and also believes in voting for the best person and not the loudest party. I loved my students unconditionally. I tried to live the golden rule as a teacher, and I really did not need to know the sexual preferences of my students, nor did they need to know mine. I live that still today. If you are LGBTQ+, that's your decision, and that's your business. God did not equip me or anyone else to judge you. All he asks me to do is live a life of grace and grant it to all I come in contact with. And that is the solution. Xenophobic is yet another example of stereotyping and political name-calling. Let me count the ways we can demean one another. Racist, commie, pig, fascist, snowflake. Well, you get the idea. Our rhetoric has been denigrated to the level of sixth grade playground insults. Solution. 
Let's just stop using those terms which insult people who disagree. Instead of attacking our fellow citizens when their thought process is different from ours, let's debate, ask questions, listen. The best solution? Compromise to find common ground. Yes, I know, it sounds a bit kumbaya, but it takes courage to change. Youth employment is in decline, and of course, the pandemic exacerbated it. Solution. High school and college kids would rather play games on their devices instead of getting off the couch to seek work. Yesterday, an Arby's in our neighborhood was closed, and the sign that was on it was, we are sorry there were not enough workers to open the store today. Wow. Oh, and also there's an irony of electronic device usage. As parents and grandparents, we're trying to unplug our children from those devices. Yet what do our schools do? They want every child to have an iPod or a laptop for almost every class. In fact, my admin lowered my evaluation one semester because as a choir teacher, I refused to use iPads or apps in my classroom. In addition, high schools need to offer technical classes and encourage them for all students. Counselors should not tell all students to attend college. Blue-collar workers are now scarcer than white-collar workers. As a society, the work rewards benefit no longer appears as a top priority, as is also true regarding the payment of debt. And finally, Zelensky. Yes, of course, he's a former comedian and actor, and he's directing his country's war against one of the world's superpowers, with the U.S. handing over more money and resources than any other country. Meanwhile, America's kids are homeless, victims of crime, behind in their education, and uncertain about their future or even if they have one. Solution. Well, I'm a great believer in problem solving. I used to identify this a lot. I'm sure these are not my ideas. These are things I've gotten over the last years, but they really make sense. There are four steps to finding solutions. First of all, you have to identify the problem. Second, you need to find a solution to the problem. Third, make sure there's a timetable for the problem to be resolved. And finally, number four, if the problem is not solved within a certain time period, there must be consequences. I would say that number three and four especially are not making any headlines in our Congress, in our Senate, and in the executive branch. We don't have a timetable and we don't have consequences. Again, the ball is back in the court of America's lawmakers and president. To my knowledge, there is no solution, timetable, or consequences for failure to win the war with America's involvement in the Ukraine. Well, I hope you have found the teachable moments in my last three-part series. I'm hoping that you found them well-defined and, of course, with solutions. My intent was never to draw this process out so long, but as I put fingers to keyboard, the words just kept coming which is a little amazing to me, of course, with my record of being unceremoniously told to get out of education six years ago. I would have surmised after the denigration and despair I suffered at the hands of my administrators and colleagues, I would be done with anything to do with education. Yet, 
my passion prevails. What you are not changing, you are indeed choosing. If you will look on either my blog or my podcast, link on the poster of Rescue the Teacher, Save the Child, it will take you directly to Amazon. I would love to have you buy 600 books for all of the teachers and administrators and parents in your district. Make that 6,000 books. But if you don't, please make sure to make this oncoming semester one of the best ones that you possibly can if you are a student or a parent or a teacher or an administrator. And my final last word, thanks to all who hung in there for all three parts of my blog and podcast. Let's choose to change. It probably means a well-intentioned trip to the ballot box in 2024.